Welcome to another episode of Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer. Left Coast Sports is brought to you by the Multicultural Health Foundation. Reimagining wellness, we're shifting the conversation from managing illness to inspiring wellness. Selection Sunday has finally come and gone, and the tournament finally gets underway this weekend. We've been waiting two years for this. And this week, it's time to break down the bracket from a betting perspective with Arthur DeCesar. He's the sportsbook supervisor at the Lincoln Las Vegas. Stay tuned for our conversation. We're going to break down games involving all teams, including West Coast games like San Diego State Syracuse, UC Santa Barbara Creighton, Utah State Texas Tech, and many more. It's truly the best week of the year for college basketball fans and for sports bettors. We have waited for this for two years, and finally, it is back. Before we get started with today's episode, though, please give us an auto-download on your favorite podcast platform so you'll get future episodes automatically. Lefko Sports is on most podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, the free iHeartRadio app, or on YouTube, or on Spotify, and many more. Leave a review as well. We really appreciate the reviews. If you're listening right now as well, switch over to Twitter. Follow me there, at John Schaefer. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R. Again, at John Schaefer. So it's the million-dollar question. What's the best way to fill out a bracket? Or what are the teams primed to make a run? Or how do you decide whether to bet a money line or a point spread? Here's my conversation with Arthur DeCesar with March Madness, now underway in Indianapolis. So, Arthur, what do you tell people when you get asked the general question, what's the best way to bet March Madness? You know, John, the the, the way I look at it is I I always try telling people, you know, March Madness brings in a lot of new betters, people who haven't watched college basketball all year, and it can be overwhelming. You look at the bracket, there's 16 games a day, this, that, and the other. I I just tell people, listen, focus on maybe, you know, a couple of teams that maybe you want to follow throughout the tournament, this, that, and the other, and just have fun with it. You know, I I like people who say, hey, I'm going to take this team, and maybe I'll take them to make the Final Four to win the championship, and then you bet them throughout. So you can kind of go that route, or, you know, there are other people who are going to say, oh, I'm going to bet every game because that's just what I'm going to do. But I think it's, you know, have fun with it. Don't overwhelm yourself with it. And, you know, this is is March Madness. It should be fun, and, you know, just try to do, you know, what is best for you. Let's get into some of these individual games. I want to start with San Diego State of of interest here in Southern California. They open as a favorite against Syracuse in a 6-11 matchup. I think currently about a three-point favorite. Is there a side that the betting public likes? Are you liking this one? Yeah, so when I look at that game, you know, 6-11 matchup, like you said, we opened uh, San Diego State minus two. It is now minus three. I think it's a very interesting matchup. Obviously, Syracuse is a name brand. It's a brand everyone knows. So people know about Syracuse, the zone, Bayheim, this, that, and the other. Listen, if you're not a big college basketball head, you probably don't know about San Diego State. Yeah, maybe you know Kawhi Leonard went there, but that's about it. San Diego State is obviously a very good team. They're a great program. I think it's an interesting matchup. They hit the three pretty well at 38%, and Syracuse plays that smothering zone where they really don't let up a lot of threes. You know, they can kind of, you know, they kind of clamp down on the threes. I think they give up like 30, 31% from three. So it's very interesting with the contrasting styles. And I do think, though, people will be on Syracuse, especially now that they're going to get three and maybe that number ticks up a little bit more. I actually like San Diego State in the game. 
You know, I think a lot of times, and, and tell me if I'm wrong here, the betting public seems to like to bet overs. But I look at the San Diego State-Syracuse number, and it's 138.5. You mentioned the fact that Syracuse has this, you know, vaunted 2-3 zone. San Diego State's been among the better defensive teams in the country this year, really top 10 or 11 in defensive efficiency. Is this a decent spot for an under, potentially? Absolutely. Not only, John, you know, did we mention the Syracuse zone, and you mentioned San Diego State, they gave up just a tick over 60 points a game. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in this age in college basketball, that's rare. Everyone's given up in the 70s. So, yeah, San Diego State definitely plays defense. They get after it. I think when you look at a number that's close to 140, and people generally like to bet over, so that number by game time could maybe get closer to 140 if it's sitting at 138 right now. So that probably is a decent spot for an underplay. You know, another team in Southern California that had a very good year under the radar in the Big West is UC Santa Barbara. I look at this UCSB Creighton game and I see the line has had significant movement. I think Creighton opened around a 10-point favorite. At last check, I saw it was all the way down to seven. What's caused the movement in a game like that? Yeah, absolutely. This is a game I I think I I love because it's a classic 12-5 matchup. And you absolutely said it correctly. We opened the game at nine. It's Mm -hmm. sitting at seven right now. UCSB since January 1st, I believe is 17 and one. They've lost one game since the new year. They have played incredibly well. Creighton three and three in their last six. Obviously they had the issues with their coach, this, that, and the other. I think the, the movement is, is for those two reasons. I, I really think when they look, when people look at the classic 12 5 and they look at, you know, when it opens 10 9, they're saying that's too many points. Hey, Crate might win the game, but they're not going to cover. I like, I like UCSB. I think you might lose some value at seven because you're losing two points and it might even go lower. So if you like them, you probably should hop on them now. When, as a better, do you make the determination to, to go with the money line? Obviously, seven points is a lot of points. Those points could be of value. But like we talked about Syracuse-San Diego State, for example, if you like the orange, is it more advantageous to just bet the money line as opposed to take the points? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'll say this. If we look at, let's say we just look at UCSB. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you like, you know, a seven or eight and you're a 110 better, you know, you can bet the spread, but then maybe you do – half of your bet or, you know, a third of your bet and sprinkle a little bit on the money line. So maybe you could hit both. And worst case, if your team covers, you still make money. I think, though, when you look at, like, a Syracuse-San Diego State line, if you like juice and it's a two-, three-point spread, maybe it is better to say, I'll take the plus 130, 135, plus 140, you know, depending on what you get. I know a lot of people think differently on that. I'm just going to take the points. I actually like if I can get a game that's, you know, four points or under, maybe take a roll on a money line, especially in the tournament when anything can happen. Yeah, I think that's excellent betting advice. You know, there's a really intriguing game on the first four, in the first four on Thursday, UCLA-Michigan State, maybe the most intriguing first four game ever with Michigan State laying just a couple of points. What, What do you make of this matchup on Thursday night? Yeah, I love the matchup. I think it's great that in this first four, they gave us a really juicy matchup. They gave us two name brands. They gave us UCLA and Michigan State. Uh, two teams, though, kind of going in the opposite directions a little bit. We opened the game as a pick It's now Michigan State minus two and a half. Listen, UCLA is the name brand, so is Michigan State. But people are more apt to bet Michigan State and bet Tom Izzo. So the move is that way. UCLA has lost four straight. Michigan State played pretty well down the stretch. They had wins over Illinois and Ohio State and Michigan, you know, three of the top, you know, 10, 11, 12 teams in the country. So I can see why the money has come in on Michigan State, but that should be a really fun first four matchup. You know, I also wanted to ask you about another team out in the Mountain West, Utah State. They get Texas Tech in a 6-11 matchup, and I've seen that over-under number, that total drop from 134.5 to 131.5. 
you know, when a number gets that low, you know, 131 range where you're looking at, you know, just 60 something points per side. What are your thoughts on that? A couple of really good defensive teams, but a really low number. Really good defensive teams. Absolutely. And, you know, as far as the, the spread goes, we opened it three and a half. It went to five. So there's been some support for Texas Tech. Texas Tech, though, has not been good this year. ATS, they're 10 and 17 against the spread. Mm. So not that great. And once again, Utah State's going to be an underrated, overlooked team because they're in a Mountain West. They're on the West Coast. You know, Texas Tech has kind of built a little brand. They were in the championship game a couple of years ago. But when you look at a total that does get that low, you almost have to take the over because. It's just like you said, if it's a 65-67 type game, you're right in that range. So to me, those when those totals are that low, it's an overplay or nothing. Hmm. Uh, I want to talk about some futures here. You know, when you look at a Gonzaga team that is a 2-1 to bet to win a national championship, is there any value there with such low odds for just one of the 68 teams in the tournament? Personally for me, John, I don't believe so. Now listen. Gonzaga has the easiest road. They should get to the Final Four, barring some craziness. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you look at everyone's odds just to win their region, they're the only team out of the whole field that is minus money to win their region. They're minus 240 to win their region. Every other team, even the one seats, are plus money to win their region. So the odds makers are telling you everything you need to know there. Gonzaga should be in the Final Four. Now, at 2-1, to one, is there value? No, I don't believe there's any value on that. You know, and you can even go off and take – you know, a bet where you're taking Gonzaga against the field. I, I just, I don't, I like to look for value. I like to try to find a team that might be 8-1, to 10-1, 12-1. to 1, So no value for Gonzaga, even though they'll probably be in the Final Four. What about taking flyers on bets that are even longer odds than 8-1 to eight to one or 10-1? to one? You look at teams that are maybe 35-1, to one, like a USC, or 50-1, to one, like Virginia or San Diego State. Is it wise to take small amounts and potentially spread it around on some long shots? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you always, you always have to remember that there's always going to be a team in the, let's say, three to six seed range that probably makes the final four. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you can, if you can, you know, pinpoint that team and get that team and get lucky enough to get that team and maybe you get them at 30, 40, 51, like you said, a San Diego State at 51. I mean, listen, are you going to put thousands of dollars on it? Probably not. <laughs> but I mean, hey, you put 20, 50, 100 bucks on that. That's a great thing. And once you get if you can ever get that team to the final four, you could start to hedge back. So it's definitely fun to take flyers on that. I even look at a team like Oklahoma State. They're 40 to 1. You know, at any point in any game, they're going to have the best player on the floor in Cade Cunningham. So to take a flyer on a team like that, you know, you just got to win six games and you only got to win four to make a final four. So yeah, definitely take flyers on teams like that. Do the Big Ten teams, in your estimation, have an advantage being A, in Big Ten country and B, having played? the Big Ten Tournament in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium? Yeah, there probably is something to that, John. I mean, obviously there's, you know, there's just a familiarity to it, and, you know, there's not a lot of travel. They're going to be right where they are. And, you know, I also think it helps that the Big Ten has been the best conference in the country. They're, they've basically gone through the gauntlet all year, so you throw that into the mix. So, yeah, that is definitely a factor. People probably might not notice, or, you know, even though we're in this COVID world, that, oh, wait, all these games are in Indianapolis. What, you know, what's going on? So, you know, you know, they might be thinking, oh, the West Coast brackets are on the West Coast, East Coast. No. So it is all in Indianapolis, Indiana, whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, that probably is a factor. What do you make of the fact that I think in the last probably half century, we've had not one non-power team, quote-unquote, quote unquote, a team out of a non-power league win a national championship. That was UNLV 
like 30 years ago. You look at this bracket, we know Gonzaga is the favorite. Uh, Houston out of the AAC had a very good year. Um, there are some other programs obviously out there. We've talked about San Diego State. They've won 14 consecutive games. Could this be a year where finally someone breaks through? Oh, it absolutely could. I mean, you know, you, you said it perfectly. The, the favorite is a non-power team. It's right. Gonzaga. And, you know, you don't have the traditional powers. You don't have Duke and Kentucky. And, yeah, North Carolina's in the field, but they're, you know, they're an eight seed. So you don't have those traditional, traditional powers that are banging on the door where you're like, oh, we can just pencil them in the Final Four. Even Kansas, they're a three seed, but they haven't had that great of a year. So this probably is the year. I even thought last year was going to be the year. You know, I understand Baylor's in a power conference, but they're not a traditional power. So, yeah, this could be the year where you see it. And Gonzaga's been knocking on the door for a couple of years. They were in the championship game a handful of years ago. So, yeah, if any year it's going to happen, it's probably this year. Arthur, when people ask you, we talked about how to bet March Madness. What do you tell people when they say, how do I fill out my bracket? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'll say this, and and it, it's tough because you can't look at all the games going forward, but – uh, my advice when you initially fill your brackets out, look at the point spreads. Look at the point spreads for those first matchups. Now, yes, you should always take some 11 and 6s and 12s over 5s and even maybe a 13 over a 4, but look at the point spreads. The point spreads are telling. They will tell you what you need to know about those first matchups. Obviously, there are no point spreads moving forward when you're filling out your full bracket because you can't fill it out you know, round by round. But I think when you're initially filling it out, look at the point spreads. Would you be surprised if there was not one 14, 15, or 16 that advanced? Do you expect one of those teams to move on to the round of 32? No, it, it, it wouldn't shock me. I will say this, and I, I like them on the point spread myself. I, don't, I wouldn't say I love them to advance, but I think Colgate is sneaky. Mm -hmm. Colgate's sitting there at a 14. They're getting nine points. They only played 15 games. They were 14-1. Obviously, the out of the out-of-conference schedule isn't great, but they're playing Arkansas SEC team, but they shoot the three really well, and that's one of the, I think, the second game that goes off on tournament day on Friday. So it's an early game. Maybe Arkansas is a little sleepy. I know it's a noon start or whatever, but, you know, Colgate can come out and factor, you know, throw out those threes, and you never know. It could really happen. So I like them on the point spread. I'm not saying they could advance, but that's a team to keep your eye on as a 14. And then what do you make of the situation involving UVA? They're not even traveling to Indianapolis until late in the week. Um, I'm not even sure if they're able to practice getting ready for their for their 4-13 matchup against Ohio. Is the betting public on Ohio because of that? Oh, 100%. That, that's exactly exactly what has happened. We opened UVA minus 10. It's now UVA minus 6. Seven. So mm. people have been on Ohio. The Bobcats have gotten a lot of love. You know, a three-point swing early on when you basically put the lines out for a, you know, a day and a half, that's a pretty big move, and especially when it's a team like Virginia. They're, they are the defending champs. We know how good Virginia is defensively, but people looked at all those factors, and Virginia kind of had an off year, you know, a half-and-half half year, whatever you want to call it. But, yeah, that's why that line's moved three points, and honestly, it might even move a little bit more. So you might have missed your, your number on the Bobcats. So when it's all said and done, and we know it's a crapshoot, but, but who do you like in this thing? Is there a team or two you think ultimately might be in the final game or win it? When I, when I look at it, I, I, I do think, you know, 
I want to be kind of not a contrarian, but everyone's going to pick a team like this. But I think Illinois is going to win the whole thing. That's that's who I'm going to pick. I do like Illinois at plus 140 to make the Final Four. I think there's nice value on that. I do think a team that's a little bit off the radar, not that they're off the radar because, you know, whatever, they are a two seed. But I like Alabama. Alabama at 18-1 is very interesting. They're in that East region, which is the Michigan region. And I think Michigan, they played so sloppy down the stretch, injuries. I just think Michigan is kind of maybe peaked too soon. So I don't think Michigan will come out of that bracket. So if I can get Alabama at 18 to 1 to win it all, 4 to 1 to make the Final Four, I think that's nice value there. But if I had to go on record right now, I think Illinois is going to win it all. Can't believe it's been two years since we've had this tournament. March is here. Arthur, we appreciate your time and your insight. This was fun. Thanks for doing it. Anytime, John. It's going to be a fun week. Thanks again to Arthur DeCesar for joining us today on Left Coast Sports. Again, the NCAA tournament is underway for the first time since 2019, and we've got you covered each and every week from now until the nets are cut down April 5th in Indianapolis. If you haven't already, please subscribe and auto-download future episodes on whichever podcast platform you're listening to this podcast on right now, and please leave a review. And once again... Follow me on Twitter at John Schaefer. That's J-O-N-S-C-H-A-E-F-F-E-R at John Schaefer. Also, don't miss Advanced Indianapolis this month on Your View. We follow local teams and players on their journey to the national championship game. And each week, Advanced to Indy reviews the previous weekend's rounds and looks ahead to the upcoming weekend. Each show airs four times per week with 16 total show airings throughout the tournament. Advanced to Indy includes interviews and expert analysis, along with local stories on the teams, players, and fans that make the madness of March so much fun. For more information, visit yourview.com. That's Y-U-R-V-I-E-W.com. Next week on Left Coast Sports, we'll be down to the Final 16. We'll preview the Sweet 16 as we continue our road to the Final Four in Indy. Thanks for listening. We'll catch up next week right here on Left Coast Sports with John Schaefer.